welcome back to the Highway to Health podcast. And thanks for connecting with us again on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. The Highway to Health podcast is sponsored by Healthy Trucking of America. Dr. Carol Osborne will be the featured guest of Dave Nemo, who is your host for this edition of the Highway to Health podcast. As you guys will hear, we'll be turning our attention to the health of the pets on your trucks and those waiting for you at home. Dave will be discussing a number of topics with Dr. Osborne, who is a noted veterinarian who emphasizes the importance of nutrition and utilizing holistic avenues in combination with traditional treatments in the care of her pets. Dr. Osborne has shared her knowledge across the world, becoming an international best-selling author and an Emmy-nominated television journalist. As you guys will hear, she is a go-to resource when it comes to the care of our pets, especially those who become our companions on the road. Later in this edition of the podcast, we'll also be talking with you about Healthy Trucking of America and how you can get connected to the information and resources provided through HTA. Right now, it's time to hand it off to Dave Nemo for his feature interview with Dr. Carol Osborne on this edition of the Highwood Health Podcast from Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Dr. Carol Osborne is with us. Hope you had a great long weekend. I had an excellent weekend. Thank you. Yes, it'll be a while before it starts to feel like school is in weather-wise. We've still got a lot of hot temperatures out there. You and Nicole and Claire Marie through the years have talked a lot about taking care of pets in the heat of summer, watching out for the pads of their paws and hydration and all of those things. And that's pretty non-controversial stuff, but there are some things that you've kind of labeled as controversial pet care questions. Dr. Carol, flea collars, shock collars declawing, debarking. We hear about these things all the time, ear cropping, tail cropping. It's really kind of controversial, right? So why don't we kind of start at the top? Flea collars, they seem to be the be-all, end-all for a while for caring for your pet, ridding of fleas, but then sometimes the cure is worse than the disease, I would imagine. Dave, that's absolutely true. I would like to mention one particular flea collar called Soresto. Over 1,700 pets have actually died from exposure to the pesticides in the Soresto flea collars, which continue to be sold across the country. In fact, the EPA has received over 75,000 incident reports, not only of pets being harmed, but children that sleep with pets wearing the Soresto flea collar have gone into epileptic seizures. A couple of kids have actually died as a result of inhaling the toxic fumes emitted by those collars. Holy cow. Dr. Carroll, when you said that, I took a chance and it's spelled S-E-R-E-S-T-O, just like it sounds unusual enough for a medication. And I'm seeing it. I won't mention the names of the stores. It's available everywhere. You are yeah. correct. How is this happening? I wish I could answer that question, Dave, but I don't have the answer. I guess the big dangerous pesticide is this TCVP, tetrachlorvinfos. Not easy to say. Apparently, some of these stores, Petco, I guess, ended selling the flea collars in March. I think Petco and perhaps even PetSmart. But I can tell you as a practicing veterinarian right here in Chagrin Falls, Ohio, I'm an integrative practitioner, so I offer holistic natural therapies and traditional therapies where needed. But many of the people that bring their pets in my door who are looking for natural treatments, you would be surprised 
how many of those pets are wearing the Soresto flea collar. And when I mention the statistics on the harm of those chemicals, which are absorbed right through the skin, yours, mine, and your pet, they listen to me and they just shrug it off. I think it is important for people to understand that these collars are incredibly toxic. When it comes to chemicals, you would be far better off using a monthly chewable or a monthly topical product as opposed to the Soresto flea collar. Wow, that is something that I would imagine if they're bad for dogs and children, they're going to be probably doubly bad for cats being so much smaller than the average dog and obviously the average child. Once again, that is an absolute fact. Just in typed up literature, if you touch one, make sure you wash your hands really well. Mm children's clothing, throw it in the laundry. Little kids who, of course, love their puppies, their brains are still developing, which, again, is a big risk with this particular TCVP chemical. And that's just one. The six other toxic chemicals are not even mentioned in these latest reports. Wow, that's a revelation to me. I got to tell you, I was not aware of that. That is really something. Well, I hope our audience doesn't just shrug that off because you surely wouldn't want to have a flea or tick infestation in your truck. You don't want it in anywhere, but being such a small, confined space and pretty difficult to, I guess you could fumigate it. It's a small enough space, but it's a bad situation. Well, let's stay with collars for just a little bit. Shock collars. Man, just the name kind of just sends a chill up and down your spine. And the shock collars, I think in the hands of experienced trainers, not the shock collars, but there are collars that just emit a little vibration. So again, there's a scale when you talk about these shock collars. Sure. Sort of like the little vibration you get if you have lane drift avoidance in your car and you kind of, if you get over the line a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. It certainly grabs the pet's attention so that it can be properly redirected to the appropriate behavior. But the heavy-duty shock collars, along with those spike collars that most of the dogs also wear, cause a lot of problems. Certainly the mental, psychological stress, which... Once again, I don't know if everybody thinks about the emotional and mental status of your pet, but it's a very real situation. And when dogs are frustrated mentally, then they're going to act out physically, which is exactly what you want to avoid. So I think that in general, the collars are very bad and they don't really have a proper place. On the other hand, when people are thinking of getting a pet, I could not overemphasize how important it is to do your homework and not to buy on impulse. Different breeds have different personalities. Some vocalize more or less than others. Some are generally pretty confident, labs and goldens. Other dogs can be much more timid and shy. It isn't even just the breed, but where did the dog come from? Did you find him at a pound? Was he on the road? Or did you go to a breeder and start out with a little six or seven or eight week old puppy where training and behavior can be properly taken care of? Are you calling a pet professional? I think in many cases, we get the pets and they're cuddly and cute and warm. And we don't think about all the things that really have to go into that pet. And again, as a veterinarian, from my point of view, I think that personality of that pet is absolutely the number one most important consideration, particularly when it comes to families with children. For example, rescue a pet that might have had some problems before you got the animal. Then I think your veterinarian who has certain medications, traditional and alternative, that can help to take the edge off, seeking the advice of a veterinary behavioral specialist 
which we have all over the country, in addition to just regular trainers. I think it's real important. And I also think that the owner working with the trainer, with the pet, is a very important element. Sometimes we see cases where the pets are, for a couple of weeks, they go to the trainer's house or to the facility, and then the people come and see them a couple of weeks later. And I'm sure that there are situations where that works out pretty well. I think that there are many situations where it's not the best result, if you will, because in addition to training the animal, you have to be able to train the owner to get enough confidence to actually work with the animal to elicit desired behavior and not go to things like shock collars as opposed to redirecting behavior and using reward-based incentives instead of punishment like a shock collar, if you will. I can imagine. Yeah, I'm just picturing going over to the hook in the kitchen by the door and getting the leash off the hook and the dog runs to the door because he wants to go out. He associates that leash with going out. And a lot of dogs are like that. And you know this. Can you imagine what the dog feels when you reach for that shock collar? And If he was a human, he could say, "Eh, you know, nothing to worry about. All I got to do is stay in the yard and I'm fine. But you can't tell that to a dog. (laughs) That's exactly right. You can't. I see a lot of dogs that claim they're being trained somewhere, but they come in with those metal spike collars are on really, really tight. And I just personally don't think that any dog that is getting proper training, those spike collars are something to think twice about potentially Mm -hmm. very harmful. And another note I will say about the shock collars is I think sometimes the collars get left on 24-7. I have had to surgically remove them. They have ingrown into the skin where the skin grows right over them. It's just a horrible, horrible situation. That's got to break your heart to have to do that, huh? It is. And we see nice dogs that don't need the collars at all, but it puts the veterinarian in a precarious position, I guess you could say, trying to say things gently and nicely, not really knowing the comments are being heard the way that they're intended, if you will. We're going to take a real quick break right here. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Highway to Health Podcast on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. The Highway to Health Podcast is sponsored by Healthy Trucking of America. You can learn more about the information and resources available from HTA by visiting the organization's website, healthytruck.org. That's healthytruck.org. Now, folks, if you'd like to go further down the highway to health, we'd like to invite you to listen to the Dave Nemo Show on Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking Radio Channel 146. The road trip down the highway to health on the Dave Nemo Show happens every Tuesday from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. You'll hear interviews featuring interesting guests who can help you to stay healthy as you move down the road. So be sure to tune in every Tuesday morning to the Dave Nemo Show, which is heard on Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking Radio Channel 146. The Dave Nemo Show is also available through the Sirius XM app. Now, folks, let's get you back to this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast, sponsored by Healthy Trucking of America. Our great friend, Dr. Carol Osborne, joining us on the program. You know Dr. Carol by now. She's an author, world-renowned veterinarian of 20-plus years. Her first two books are international bestsellers, Naturally Healthy Cats and Naturally Healthy Dogs. She is an Emmy-nominated television journalist as well. You've seen her all over the television screens around the country. Well, Dr. Carol Osborne, you and I both know and love a young lady who is a vowed vegan. She has pets, but she does not make those pets follow the vegan lifestyle. Is it safe for your pet to be vegan? As human trends 
develop. They seem to trickle back down into our pets, and the vegan lifestyle is certainly one of them. There are certain conditions in which a vegan diet can be very appropriate under veterinary direction. In fact, Purina makes a vegan diet for dogs, as do a couple other companies now. I think that balanced diets fed under the direction of your veterinarian have a definite place long-term liver kidney failure situations. I think, unfortunately, a lot of times we go out there and we're just going to make a vegan diet for our dog. And unfortunately, those can have negative consequences, primarily because in many cases, they're just not balanced. So your pet is not receiving the essential vitamins, nutrients, antioxidants, etc., that he or she needs to mature properly and to stay healthy, if you will. In many of these cases, talk to your veterinarian, pay for a professional dietary consultation to see if that particular diet is or is not appropriate for your pet and make sure that you monitor going forward with blood tests, etc., to see that your pet's liver, kidney stats, and red cells and white cells, etc., are coming out the way that they should according to the veterinarian and that the diet is beneficial as opposed to harmful. I hate to say this, and maybe I'm wrong, but I can understand a person wanting to go vegan. That's wonderful. But it seems like, is this trip really necessary for your pets? I mean, this is not how they are designed, right? They're designed to eat meat, and cats pretty much nothing but meat. It sounds to me like it would be an unfair imposition on a cat and dog to make them go vegan. I don't know. No, Dave, that's a great point. Cats by nature are what we call obligate carnivores. And that means that the guy upstairs designed cats to eat meat. That is what an obligate carnivore is. Dogs, on the other hand, are omnivores, just like you and I. And that means that they are designed to eat meat as well as vegetables and grains. So when we try to make a diversion from that, once again, that's where professional guidance and consultation should be sought in the best interest and the best health of your pet. I had mentioned earlier, for example, pets that have primarily dogs with liver and kidney disease, eating meat, chicken, turkey, beef, pork, duck, etc. It's the nitrogen or the nitrogenous part of that protein that can, in some cases, be a detriment to the liver and kidneys. So what can someone do? They say, oh, my pet's got kidney disease. What am I going to do? Well, there are many sources of protein that are not derived from meat, if you will. Fish, for example, offers wonderful protein, but it's what we call non-nitrogenous waste. It's the nitrogen that's the killer for the liver and kidneys. So any kind of fish you want, I tell people stay away from farm-raised. That's going to be popular like your salmon, for example. But cod and tilapia are reasonably priced, very popular. You can cook them up. And in cases like that, if you're feeding a 50% veggies, a 50% fish, that's a great diet for the kidneys as well as the liver. When we get down into the world of the vegetarians and vegans, if you will, yes, certainly lentils and beans and there are many things like that that do offer protein. It's just a lot more tricky to get them balanced appropriately so that your pet can continue to thrive and do well based on the diet. Got it, got it. I'm looking at the clock and we are out of time already. Cannot believe it. Maybe we can pick up where we left off next time. That would be just wonderful. I look forward to it. <laughs> Me too. As always, Dr. Carol Osborne, thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Dr. Carol's website is Chagrin Falls, C-H-A-G-R-I-N, ChagrinFallsPetClinic.com, ChagrinFallsPetClinic.com. 
that closes out this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast, sponsored by Healthy Trucking of America. We would like to take this opportunity to thank you once again for spending part of your day with us on Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. And we would also like to invite you to visit HealthyTruck.org, the website for Healthy Trucking of America. HealthyTruck.org is filled with information and resources that can help make your travels down our nation's roads and highways a healthier one. Be sure to check back with us each Friday for the latest episodes of the Highway to Health Podcast, sponsored by Healthy Trucking of America. Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo, also has another podcast from Healthy Trucking of America. Be sure to check out the Healthy Trucking Podcast. Now, folks, you can find all the podcasts being brought to you by Healthy Trucking of America through Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. You can listen to us by downloading the Podwheels app, which is available in the Apple Store or on Google Play. You can also listen to all the episodes being brought to you by Healthy Trucking of America through our website, podwheels.net. Now, folks, we've got one last item to pass along to everybody. You can now catch up with the Highway to Health podcast on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon Music, and Google Podcast. Just go wherever you get your podcast and search Highway to Health. And when you find our podcast, we would ask that you take a moment and subscribe to the Highway to Health. You'll be notified whenever we release a new episode. The Highway to Health podcast, sponsored by Healthy Trucking of America, is a production of Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo.